0: Well, if you would, please turn in your Bible to Proverbs chapter two, Proverbs chapter two, we'll read the first eight verses in you're hearing. My son, if you will receive my word and treasure my commandments within you, keep Your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. And if you cry for discernment. Lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver. And search for her as hidden treasure. Then you will discern the fear of the Lord. And discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound Wisdom for the upright. He is the shield to those who walk in integrity. Guarding the path of justice. And he preserves the way of his godly ones. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father we thank you for your word. How precious it is to us. And as we've sung in the verse. Lord give us a love for your truth. Give us a love for this word. May we value it. I pray that you would bless our time. May we apply what we learned today. And We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Solomon, of course, is the king of Israel. And he is um, writing the Pro- book of Proverbs for his son. And he wants the best for his son. He doesn't want just that his son would be smart. We all want our sons and daughters and our children to be to be. A, have intelligence, have a capacity for intelligence. We want them to be smart. But Solomon's desire is more. He wants more for his son. Solomon is the wisest man on earth. He had gained a world renowned attention because of his, because of his wisdom. But in his wisdom, or in his humility, Solomon would admit that this isn't his wisdom. It's God's wisdom. And this wisdom is to point to God. Now I want you to see this. That is a biblical principle. In the Old Testament and the New Testament we see this. Turn over to the passage that was read for us earlier. I'm just going to remind you of it. Just read a couple of verses here. Moses had given the children of Israel the law. This is the tour, the first five books of the Bible, and he says this. So keep and do them. So, so practice them. Do them. Flesh them out in your life, for that is your wisdom. It is our wisdom to take the the words of God, the words that God has given us, and to flesh them out in our lives. It's our wisdom and understanding. He says, in the sight of people who hear. Who will hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is wise and understanding. Now you get the picture. They are to take the word of God, take what Moses had written from and received from God, work it out in their life, live it out, so that people can see and say, wow, they are wise. And that points then to God, and it actually attracts people to God as well. That's the way wisdom is to work. And he goes on, verse 7. For what great nation has uh, a God so near? Verse 8. For what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteousness? Nobody. It comes down to God has blessed Israel. They were to work these things out and to live them out. and, And that was their wisdom. Wisdom that God had given them and it was to be worked out in their life. Now Solomon understood the significance of this. He had embraced God's wisdom. He recognized it was God's wisdom, not his own. And he had made it his own. By faith and obedience, he made it his own. And Solomon then was transferring this or God's wisdom and he is teaching it now to his son. And he wanted his son to be grounded In this same wisdom. This is not just ordinary wisdom. This is wisdom coming from God. And this wisdom is the way in which we are to live our life. It's the way in which God has designed us to live. He's designed us to live this way. This is true wisdom. And Solomon understood the significance of that. That we live God's wisdom out in our life, other people are to see it and be drawn to God, it's to point to God. And that's the principle. You see that on the front of your bulletin today. The life of God's people must reflect God's wisdom for God's glory. That's what, really, that's what wisdom is. Taking God's principles, living them out in our life so that other people can see and be attracted to God so that God gets what? The glory. That's it. Now, we've seen thus far in the book of Proverbs, but we move through systematically. We just started from chapter 1, we're in chapter 2 now, and wisdom has called out, she calls out. She cries out. She's in the street corners. She's in the, the city gates. And she calls out to everyone to turn into her. And there's a, an invitation. We saw that. That's just, that's just review. And there's also a warning that comes with that invitation. If you don't turn in here, there's danger ahead. And you have to be careful. There's going to be regret in your life if you do not turn into her. You, you have to turn And empty yourself of your own wisdom and embrace her wisdom. There's a displacement there. Now in this passage, wisdom is not portrayed as as crying out in the street corners. She is hard to find. Because of the the clamor and the the voices, everyone else has their wisdom. And and it's hard to discern. You have to search for her. The reality is very few people will actually find her. It's kind of like the New Testament principle of Jesus said there's a broad road that leads to destruction, but this narrow little path here, and few, very few people will actually find it. That's the same principle. And Solomon, he is wanting his son to realize how rare and how valuable wisdom really is and the effort that it's going to take to acquire true wisdom. And he's making this urgent to his son. Now the question is, and where do we, the question is, where do we start to gain this wisdom? What's the beginning point? And Solomon tells us in verse, in verse one, there's a couple things that I want us to see here. First of all, to, to gain true wisdom, the starting place to, to gain wisdom is to value it. We have to genuinely value wisdom, and then we have to recognize the source of wisdom. It's the place to start. So let's look at, Point number one, just two points. We must genuinely value wisdom. Look at verse one. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commandments within you. Let's just stop right there. Now there's a progression. There's, he starts off a little slow here that Solomon wants his son to see that wisdom is not commonplace. It has great value. And he's, he starts off, there's a, a little bit of progression in four verses. And it, it, he's wanting his son to see these different steps. And it starts with treasuring wisdom in our hearts, in your hearts. That's the first step. You have to value wisdom. Now, actually, you, you, would, you would think that this is a flow, like moving along in traffic. You come to this place, and then this place, and then this place, and this place. But this is actually Hebrew poetry, and essentially, Solomon is saying the same thing four different ways. That's what's going on here. It's not so much a progression, although that is there. It's just a progression in intensity. And now, we need to, to know that. It's progression. But it starts with treasuring wisdom in your hearts. He says to receive it. You have to take it in to receive it. And there's this displacement. You put your wisdom on the shelf and you take my wisdom and that's a hard issue. And then you treasure it. Now, at first I thought that this was just talking about you need to make it your own. Because I want my son to not just depend upon my words, my commands. No, they have to internalize it. They have to make it their own conviction. That's what I want from them. But that's not what Solomon's talking about here. He wants them to just see that it's a value. That it's important. And the first step they have to do is they have to direct their heart to do that. The heart has to say, this is something that I'm going to place value on. This is something that's very important to me. I'm going to set my affections on it. I'm not going to set my affections on money or fame or power or control. I'm going to search out wisdom. That's going to be my attention, the attention of my heart. And that's the idea in this. Verse two, a second step, second phase, if you will. Begin to look for wisdom. So the first, you, you incline your heart. You're, you're gonna, okay, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna value wisdom. Secondly, then you make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. So you, you've set your heart on it. You're, you're ready to go after it. And what do you have to do? You start listening for it. You start looking for wisdom. Now this is an act. An issue of, of the effort that takes, and you you incline your heart. He says the word incline. There's a great word. It, it means to stretch out, like Abraham, and stretch out his tent, and you spread that thing out. And the idea here is you, you take your ear and you stretch your ear to listen, to listen for it. Now, in the progression, you find that very that wisdom is just is hard to find. That, wisdom is not within you and wisdom is not really to be found too much among people as well so you you be um, I mean I would think that Solomon would say okay son you want wisdom just sit down and read the torah read the first five books of the bible but he doesn't say that what he says what he says is search go after it Incline your heart. Because when you do that, you'll, there's going to be an emptiness. There's going to be a hollowness. You're going to realize that wisdom is just not there. It's hard to find. Now I saw this in my own life. I recognized, even a, as a child, I'm just looking for the normal Christian life. What do normal Christians do? How does that look? And I, I saw kids going to Christian school and I think, that's what I want. That's And then I, I go to that Christian school and I think, I'm not so sure. Then I say, oh, I have lots of And those were the, the true believers. Those are wisdom is. And so there's, there's this progression, and it, and it captivated me. That's the idea here. And then what happens is, verse 3, he says, For if you cry for discernment, and lift your voice, the idea is lift your voice above all of the, the clamor, lift your voice up, and you, and you cry out for wisdom. Why? Because you're beginning to see and it's hard to come by. It's just not there. You have to, you have to cry out for it. There's a a void of wisdom. This word to cry out for is to, is the voice of urgency. It's the, the voice that we use to cry for help in an emergency. We set our voice above all the other voices so that people can hear and come running. That's the idea. Lord, where is wisdom? There's an emptying of self. There's a humility that's naturally there. Because I don't see it within myself. I don't really see it from among other people. And so I cry out, Lord, where is it? Have you come to that place in your life? Do you really want wisdom? Or are you just complacent to where where you are now in life. Look at the next progression in verse 4. If you seek for her. So, so you're crying out and, and you hear nothing. So you begin to seek. Seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure. Again, this is a Progression. This is an aggressive search for wisdom. By this time now, there's a panic that has set into life. And you're beginning to look. Where is it? I know it has got to be here. Wisdom has to be here somewhere. And it's the the word search there is to to search until you find or or, uh, you're trying to locate something. You're tracking it down. And it has great worth. It's it's a treasure. It means something important to you. In fact, this frantic search demonstrates how valuable the thing that we are looking for is. If I lost my pen, eh, I lost my pen. It's okay. We were driving the other day down to uh, Columbia, South Carolina. And we got pretty far down the road. And I start looking around and I could not find my cell phone. And it... Frantic, uh, panic, uh, settles in. Where is my cell phone? And it's hard to drive when you're panicking. When, when you're frantically looking for your cell phone. And then you begin, I begin to realize, oh no, I left it at the last truck stop. Oh wow. It'll never be there. So we turned around. We have to go two miles down the road, turn around, come back. I found my cell phone, so. But the panic was there because it was of value to me. My pen, I'm probably not going to go back for it. My cell phone, I'm going to go back for it. My wallet, I'm going to go back for it. Why? It has value to me. You're going to search for it. That's the idea here. This has value. Wisdom is not commonplace. Dirt is commonplace. A thousand dollar bill is not commonplace. You don't see that. At least I don't see that. A Bentley Is not commonplace. Tree bark. That's commonplace. You see the difference. There's a difference. One has great value. And and Moses and Solomon. They they understood the significance of wisdom. We need wisdom. It has to be a value more important than anything else. Moses said it is your life. Christ said it is more important to me than my food. Peter said, where, where else do we go? You have the words of eternal life. It was important to them. So after searching and we, we come to, to realize how valuable and important wisdom is. But in all that searching and all that discovery, you would think, well, you find wisdom then. It, wisdom is there. But no, look at verse five. It's just the beginning of it. He says, then you will discover, or then you will discern, the fear of the Lord. You're just now at the starting place. You're just now getting to where you, you can realize the value in it, and you can understand, you can handle wisdom, essentially is what he's saying. And he says, then, then you can discern, then you have that discernment, that the word discernment there is the ability to, to separate out, to make distinctions I was looking at a photo the other day of the class um, seminary guys that I went to school with, and the, the camera's so far away, and you've got 300 guys in this one little confined place, and I'm scanning it out, and, and my eyes are, are wanting to make distinctions, and I, I realize, oh yeah, okay, I remember him, and I remember him." And, and then I, I find my own face just peeking around one of the professors, "Oh, there I am. That's the idea. Discernment, looking, being careful. And you begin to to see the fear of the Lord. You begin to discern the fear of the Lord. It becomes clear to you. This is talking about a relationship with God. And this is what it's all pointing to. Wisdom is going to do that. Wisdom, no matter really where you start... It will always point to God. Even the world's wisdom, even natural wisdom. If you start with just this scientific, physical world, you're going to come down to the very molecules, the the bacteria of our body. You'll come down to the very basis of life. And even that, you will find there is on that a DNA. And you look at that, where did that DNA come Who wrote that? It's going to point to God. You look at the, the unseen world And you're going to see the principles of design. The principles of order and and law. And you're going to see God's fingerprint everywhere. Just start looking for it. And it will always, always, always point to God. And then point to God's Word. And when you lift up God's Word, you're looking face to face. And to God, it always ends with the relationship with God when you're looking for wisdom. You say, well, I know a lot of wise people, a lot of scientists that don't know God and reject God. Yeah, and it's exactly what Romans 1 says. They will deny the truth. They will suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Oh, they see it, but they want to explain it away. They just want to explain it away. We value God's Word. At least that's what we want to do as believers. And I asked myself the question, why is it that God's word or why is it that wisdom is not as important to me as it should be? Why is it not as important as it is to Moses or Solomon? They understood the significance of wisdom. They understood that you're taking God's principles, living them out in your life so that people could see and then glorify God. Why is that? Let me give you three reasons. These are just my own little thoughts by way of application. First of all, I think we don't see the need. I think that we see wisdom as just commonplace. We live in a world where we know everything. This is the information age, right? I mean, we have the learning channel, the discovery channel, science channel, history channel. We have the religion channel. What else do we need? We have Google. We have Alexa. She can tell us everything we need to know, right? Our Siri, yeah. And so we live in this information age, but what we tend to do is bring God's wisdom down to man's wisdom and just kind of compare, I'll take God's wisdom a little bit here and a little bit of man's wisdom and just kind of pull it all together. It just becomes pom- commonplace. It, it doesn't really mean anything to us. It doesn't really have any value. And that's sad for believers. We have answers that the world's looking for that the world does not have. Number two, another reason I believe that we fail to to seek after wisdom and value wisdom as much as we should, is because our focus is on the wrong place. Our focus is on the material world so often, as opposed to the glory of God. Our focus is more on me. And essentially, folks, we're just consumers. It's all about me. This material world, I'm just getting all that I can get and just consuming it upon myself and we really don't even think about wisdom the only wisdom is is uh, well how can i get more money help me to become wise in in getting money maybe and that's the only time we think about it but for the believer listen to this the believer the believer is the the central place is is where the spiritual world and the physical world come together now think about that within the believer the spiritual world god's wisdom and the physical world come together and they and we need that wisdom we need to be able to flesh out what god has said its value it's important to us number 3 i don't think we value wisdom because we really we don't value life we have a disposable kind of life today we have a disposable generation we don't see the majest, majesty and glory of god we don 't see the the glory of a life well lived for god oh, it 's just, just commonplace it 's just everything it 's just like everything else, so we don 't respect there 's no value for true wisdom because our life means nothing you know oh so uh, you know you're you 're a good person, just like everybody else and It doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't mean anything if we just live in the gutter, live any way we want to, or live to the glory of God. It does matter. Your life does matter. The way you live, it matters to God. You think, nobody sees me. God sees you. We cannot just live any way we please there's a majesty to our lives. There's a respect. There's a dignity. There's an honor to our life. We value life. Therefore, we value wisdom. The way we live that life. So we must value and desire wisdom. We have to seek after it enough to search for it. Verse n- Number two. Let me give you one last principle. and This will move quickly. Number two. We must recognize that God is the source of wisdom. First of all, we have to value wisdom. And then we have to recognize that God is the source of wisdom. He is the source. Verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is the shield to those who walk in integrity. Guarding the path of justice. And he preserves the way of the godly ones. Wisdom can only be found in God. Now, there's four things to note here. First of all, the giver, the, the Lord is the giver. He is the one that gives wisdom. Um, it's from His mouth. Now that's a that's a reference, direct reference, really, to Revelation. He breathed out uh, the the Word of God, the Bible. So therefore, He is the the source. It it all starts here. Every every discipline that we have on this earth must come through the lens of Scripture. It must come through the filter of Scripture theology. You say, well, God doesn't tell me to change the oil every 3,000 miles on my car. That's wisdom, right? No, God doesn't do that. But God does tell you that you are a servant of His. He does tell you that car was a gift to you. To be used for ministry. To be used in the life of other people. To be used to propagate His gospel. To be used for His honor, for His glory. He shapes our understanding and our thinking for everything that we do. And it starts right here. We understand the rest of the world because we come through Scripture. We we in, um, we filter everything through through this this word. That's that's what we do. It becomes our worldview. We live it out because we value it, and that's the kind of wisdom that God's talking about. Number two, look at the action. So you have the, the giver, the source of all wisdom is God. Number two, the action is there's twofold. He says in verse, well, there's, there's twofold. Let me just go through these, these action words with you. He gives wisdom. He transfers it to you. But actually, the word gives there is a more specific word. It's, it's hand to hand. He hands it to you. He also stores it up. He treasures up. That's the word. He treasures it up. And He dispenses it. And so much so, He treasures it up that He will never run out. He will never run out. But also, He protects He's a protection of protector of righteousness. He is the the shield, that defensive weapon to block any attacks. He guards. That's the the watchman uh, that stands on the tower at night to protect the city. He also preserves. He hovers over the idea, as though life needed protection, as though life were in danger, and he protects us from that. But he not only protects the believer, the the righteous person. He also protects. The path and the way in verse 8. He protects those. He will guard his righteousness. Why? Because that's his wisdom being fleshed out. God protects the righteous people as well as the righteous path. He will not let arrogant people distort his righteous path. That's interesting to me. He opposes the proud. It's very arrogant to claim God's truths and, and pretend to be righteous. He will guard that. I just reminded of Ananias and Sapphira. You know, just that one little thing, God protected his righteousness right there. Another thing is the gift. Look at the gift. He gives wisdom, sound wisdom. That word sound means effective. Wisdom that works. This kind of wisdom works. It, it pleases God. Other wisdoms out there, there's the world's wisdom. But it doesn't please God. What does the world know about pleasing God? It doesn't. Knowledge and understanding, he gives. Uh, reason and, and perception. And then you look at the people. The people's next. And they're called, look what they're called. The upright. Those who, who want to do things the right way. The upright they walk in integrity the word integrity is is means innocent in the most strict sense it means consistency there's a righteousness that is consistent with all of your all of the areas of life and then there's the the path of justice he protects that, that that's the act of deciding a case between right and wrong using fairness from the scriptures to decide what is right and wrong and they're called the godly ones. Those who are devoted to God. Those who love God and serve God. So God is the, the source of wisdom. He gives and protects wisdom. He gives and protects what is His. Because it's His. And He is the source. And that's the point. It only makes sense. Right? He is the source of all, all wisdom. Because He created This world, he sustains this world, he knows best how to live in this world, and it all comes down to him. So he's gonna be in his perspective, he's gonna know what is best. Now, let's just think about this a little bit. Solomon is not just wanting an obedient son. He's not just wanting a son that will obey the moral laws of the land. You get an obedient son. He could have just stopped right there. Son, you just need to listen and obey what I say. He could have stopped right there. But he didn't stop right there. Because that's not what Solomon wanted. He doesn't want just his son to grow up to be a good, moral person in society. We don't need any more good, moral people in the society. You say, yeah, we do. Well, we may do too. But you understand what I mean. That doesn't please God. No, Solomon is wanting godliness. He's wanting his son to take the wisdom of God and to work it out in his life so that people can see and be pointed to God. So God gets the glory for this, for his life. Solomon understood these things. God's people must reflect God's wisdom for God's glory. Now just, let me just apply these things. Just real quick, three points of application. What do you, what do you want from your children? Do you just want obedience? Folks, with our children, we need a heart change. They need to value wisdom. They need to understand the source of wisdom. They need to understand that. They have to, and where do they get that? They get that from you. And that's point number two. Do you value wisdom? Is, is wisdom important to you? Do you seek after it? Is it important enough to you to get up on Sunday mornings to come? Hey, what does the Bible have? What does God have to say? And then, number three, let me just let you know this. The world needs our wisdom. If our wisdom is not fleshed out, how dark is this world going to be? The world needs unity. In a racially divided world. We have the answer for that. This racial division in America. We have the answer to to that. This suicide epidemic. That's here in West Virginia. Is what I'm told. We have hope for that. This corruption that we see in government. And corruption in business. We've got an answer for that. Salvation. We have healing for relationships. Folks we have wisdom. We have wisdom. Solomon is passing the ton. Of wisdom to his son, but he doesn't want him just to be wise. He wants him to be godly. And that must be what we live out on a daily basis. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We don't value it as much as we need to, Lord. We recognize that. Help us to set our heart on it. Help us to intentionally lift it up and exalt Your Word. This wisdom that has been handed down to us. Lord, because we know it points to You. We have a watching world. And we want to point to You. Lord, we thank You for the wisdom. We thank you for the principles that we have and we're living out our life and and, and how helpful it is to our life. But Lord, help us to take this seriously. Help us to realize that there's a value to our lives and what we do on a daily basis matters to you and to your glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.